There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Friday edition of the podcast. We certainly are looking forward to the weekend, looking forward to what the Lord has for us. Tonight we'll be in Harrisburg at 7 p.m. That's on Albuquerque Avenue, the Second Chance Bible Church. Looking forward to the meeting there. And then tomorrow, here at 1.30 at our home, Brother Stephen Asquith is going to be preaching on the back porch. And again, we look forward to what the Lord is going to do. Pray that God will use Stephen to be a blessing, a help, that neighbors would come, friends would come, family from the area would come. That's why we do these special services. And then on Sunday at the Manassas Community Baptist Church, we're going to have Sunday school and church as normal. But then we're going to have a baptismal service and then followed by a picnic lunch and another afternoon service. So we look forward to the weekend, look forward to the house of God. Here in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin at verse 19 where we left off yesterday. And we plug in on the end of this thought that the three things that are done in secret that the Lord rewardeth openly. And that is, of course, your giving, your prayer, and your fasting. And then he says this along those lines. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And I believe part of the reason he said that is because most folks are worried about laying up treasure on earth rather than the time of giving and of fasting and of prayer. They don't give themselves to those things. They worry about all the other things that need done. And they do not focus on the three needful things that the Lord rewardeth secretly. And so he tells us this, that don't lay up for yourself treasures upon earth. You're going to die one day, and it's going to be gone. And even before you die, it's going to rust. It's going to be corrupted. You have uh, certain treasures that you think so much of, and fire can get them, and rot can get them, and moths can get them, and rust can get them, and water damage can get them. And then they're absolutely worthless. Now, a man one time, he told me, he said, I don't collect papers. He said, I don't collect anything with paper. He said, you know why? Because paper doesn't last. He said, I collect stuff that's wood. I collect stuff that's metal. He said, I like pottery. I like tough things. Well, I've learned something. You drop a piece of pottery and it's going to crack. You get something on fire and that wood is eventually going to burn. You get something hot enough, that metal is going to be corrupted. Why? Because rust will corrupt it. Heat will corrupt it. Therefore, there's nothing that's untouchable on this earth. But he said on this wise, where thieves break through and steal. So even if you protect everything you have the best you can, there are still thieves that can come and take it from you. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. One thing for sure, there's no thieves in heaven. We know that. And so your treasure ought to be laid up in heaven, not on this earth. And yet there's so many trying to obtain the riches of this world, the riches of this life. I've learned over the years, if we ever have anything extra, it's not for us to lay up that God has a purpose for it. And that's not being super spiritual. It's just the reality. We never look at it and say, hey, we got this extra money. You know, let's invest in gold. Let's buy gold coins. Let's buy property. Let's do this. Let's 
let's take this money and, you know, we're going to lay it up and we're going to store it up. And man, one of these days we'll be able to retire on it. No, there's usually a purpose why God gives us a little bit extra. I've spoken often of the matter of when we needed the new heat pump, we also at the same time needed tires on the vehicle. And we were praying about that. And the Lord gave us the largest offering we ever got. And we needed it. Just the tithe alone on, on, the, on the offering, you know, was, was quite a sum. And it was the largest offering by far we'd ever received. But you know what? We needed the heat pump. We needed tires. We still needed food. And to be honest with you, we hadn't had any preaching for quite a while. Didn't have any preaching for several months after that. And so, therefore, we needed that. And God knew that. And God provided that. And he's amazing how God's provision is so wonderful. And as long as we don't lay it up for ourselves, if we do realize if we're going to lay it up, it's a temporary layup. It's not a permanent layup. Why? Because our treasure is in heaven. And that ought to be the treasures we're seeking. We ought to be seeking the spiritual treasures. We ought to be speaking the things that God does for us. And then he goes on, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it's not even about loss and gain. It's about where your heart is. And if your heart is in the treasures of this earth, guess what? You're in trouble. And yet, that's where most peoples are. They're on this earth. It didn't say world there. It said earth. It's some of the physical location. And that's where your treasure is. That's where your heart's going to be. If your treasure is gold and silver, that's where your heart's going to be. If your treasure is, is all the things of this world and your 401k and your Roth IRA and your bonds and safety bonds and security bonds and your CDs and your IRA account and all of those things, if that's where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. But he said, lay up treasure in heaven. Why? Moth and rust do not corrupt there, and thieves cannot break through and steal. And therefore, that's the greater reward, because if your reward is there, your heart will be there. And I, I fear a lot of folks just not laying up reward for heaven. I think they're laying up reward for this earth, not for heaven, because they certainly don't live like they're laying up reward for heaven. They don't consider this a heavenly reward. But can I say to you, my friend, there are rewards at the end of this thing. We've preached three of them this week. That prayer, that fasting, that time with God, that giving of uh, giving to others that they might have that you may not have. That's the sacrificial giving. Those are the treasures you lay up in heaven. He tells you that. That's why he's saying this. And yet there's so many that are considering the things of this earth and the riches of this earth and the good things of this earth. And that's their treasure. Therefore, their heart is on this earth. And he says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore that eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. So if your eye be single, what does it mean single there? We'll look at the contrast. If thy eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. So what does it mean? You're looking at the good things. You're looking at the, the things of God. You're looking at those things where your treasures are laid up in heaven. You're looking for Jesus Christ, singleness of mind, singleness of heart, and singleness of eye. But if your eye be evil, and there are a lot of folks that have an evil eye, and I'm not talking about the old hate uh, ideals that come out of the, the, the Smoky Mountains and the Appalachian Mountains that someone's got the evil eye. You know, I'm not talking about those type of superstitions. I'm talking about the reality. Their eye is evil. They can't see good. All they can see is bad. They don't see treasures in heaven because their evil eye has put their eye on this earth and all they can see are the things of this earth. All they can see is the reward of this earth and they can't even see spiritual things and heavenly things. If thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? I told the church the other night preaching. I preached on that sin of rebellion. I preached on that sin of stubbornness. And I told him, if you're not saved, it's because you're a rebel. There's no other way about that. 
And there's no way to sugarcoat that. You're not saved because you're a rebel. You will not submit to God. You will not bow the knee to him. You're in rebellion. You don't like being told what to do. You don't like being told how to live. You don't like being told how your life must be. That is rebellion. And folks, of course, balk against that. It's just kind of foreign to them. They go, well, you know, certainly I must not be a rebel. If you're lost, you're a rebel. If you're lost, it's because you're stubborn and you will not give in to God. You will not submit to his ways. You will not submit to his word. And therefore, you're going to remain lost. And if your eye is evil, your body's full of darkness. And you can't see good in others, your body's full of darkness. And you hear people talk evil because their eye is evil. They can't see good in anything. I know people that cannot find good in the best things uh, that God has to offer. They can't find good. You have a service where the power of God falls and there's a stirring of God. And what happens? People with an evil eye sit there and they find fault. That was too loud. That was too long. That was obnoxious. I didn't see God in that. And yet, spiritual people, discerning people, come out of the service saying, oh my goodness, the power of God fell. We saw a move of God like we haven't seen since I was a little boy. We saw a stirring of God unheard of in this day, in this hour. Yet there are folks there that all they saw, and again, it goes back to that thing. What does a dog see? A dog responds to two things. Animals respond to two things. Hand motions and physical response. And therefore, if you raise your voice, a dog will respond. Another animal will respond. You move your hands, a dog will respond. How do you train a dog? You make a rollover motion, teaching to roll over, the command, roll over. Verbal and invisible commands. That's all they can respond to. They cannot read. They don't have intellect. They can't think through things. They cannot uh, problem solve. Why? Because they're dogs. He said without our dogs and sorcerers, why? They're without Christ. All they can see is the physical. They cannot see the spiritual, and therefore they're filled with darkness. How great is that darkness? And yet they walk in darkness. Why? Because they don't love the truth. And he said men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. If you have an evil eye, it's because you love that darkness. Your own deeds are evil. Imagine somebody living in adultery or even just the act, one-time act of committing adultery. That doesn't mean you're living in adultery. You have committed adultery. There is a difference. Imagine somebody committing the act of adultery and then having to live with that, but yet they can't be honest about it. They can't come clean about it. They bury it. They hide it. And oh, how their heart is darkened, how their soul is darkened. Why? Therefore, they look at everybody else and assume everybody else is just like them. Everybody else must be an adultery. Everybody else must be a fornicator. Everybody else must be sin sick like I am. Their evil eye, they judge others with that evil eye. Their whole heart is full of darkness. And how great is that darkness? What an awful place to live. What a terrible thought to have to live in darkness and walk in darkness. And he said in verse 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. And there's the promise of God right there. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. Why, God is going to take care of that. People say, well, he's talking to his disciples here. Well, why don't you just prove that God's talking to his disciples and not you? Why don't you just prove that God will fail you? Why don't you just test God with this and try God and just say, you know, Lord, I, I, I challenge you to feed me and give me drink. I challenge, you know, what I found out, God is able. 
He can furnish a table in the wilderness. Thank God. He did furnish that table for the children of Israel. They didn't like the table, but God for 40 years furnished that table in the wilderness. Feet that did not swell, closed it, never rotted off their bones. Why? Because God is able. He said, for yet what in your body, what shall you put on? Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Are you not better than the fowl of the air to God? Does God not consider you over the fowl of the air, the animals that he created? God gave you a living soul. God gave you a living spirit. God wants to commune with you and fellowship with you. Yes, he takes care of the birds. He takes care of the fowl of the air. But does God not want to have that relationship with you more than anything else? Will he not take care of your needs? But the problem is, again, we're laying up treasure on earth, not with God. Which of you, by taking thought, could add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, this is an important verse years ago because a lady would have to take that wool, that cotton, that flax that's beaten and spun. If you live in the Middle East or the Far East, it would be silk, oftentimes linen. And they would weave that and they would have to, to shape that and spin that and weave it and cut it and sew it and try to make sure that the family's clothed, make sure the family's covered. Or one of the great tragedies of life over the decades uh, preceding what we call the modern machine era, the, the, the 1780s and 1790s, when machines came into play and the mills really came into play, which you would see ruffian children, vagabond children. Part of the reason you knew they were vagabonds, their clothing was falling off of them. They just had rags to wear. There weren't extra clothes in those days. Now we live in the days of Timu and Xi'an and all the uh, Chinese companies that send you a shirt for $3. You go down and get a clearance Walmart t-shirt for $2 and it wears thin in about a year and a half, but you can wear it for a year and a half. And the thrift stores are filled with clothes and people's bags are filled with clothes. It wasn't always that way. There was a time, even up into the 1700s, that vagabonds had no clothes to wear. And it was a sign of destitution. It was a sign of poverty. But yet, cannot God take care of that need? Cannot God take care of that? Cannot God put that upon your back? That lily doesn't toil. He doesn't sow. But he says that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The lily is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? O ye of little faith, can God not take care of you? Why are you so worried about laying up treasure on this earth? Can't God take care of your need? Can't God provide? Can't God meet that need? Therefore, take you no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. My wife and I both grew up in families that gardened and canned and did all of those things. We learned pretty early in this ministry of evangelism that a garden's not going to work, canning's not going to work. And I just told my wife one day, I said, honey, we're just going to believe that God can provide. God will take care of us. We don't have anything laid up. Listen, if the, if the, if the apocalypse comes and and all, all nuclear desolation breaks out and EMP destroys all the electronic communication. Don't come to our house. You might find a can of chili and a couple things of, of beans and possibly some field peas and snaps. But listen, we don't have much laid up, yet God can take care of us. And all that, God will take care of our need. He promised that. He said, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. That's an absolute. 
So therefore, what's the obligation to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Is it to lay up stores? Is it to lay up treasure? Is it to do what we think is wise? Is it for us to make sure we have some extra, make sure we have some in store, and make sure we have vaults filled with food, and make sure we have seeds that are freeze-dried that'll last 100 years just in case we get desperate, and make sure we have a little cave somewhere with canned goods stored in it? Is that what God told us to do? No, he did not. He didn't tell us to be survivalists. He didn't tell us to be lay. He said, no, lay up treasure where? In heaven. You're not going to lay this treasure up on earth. You lay this treasure in heaven. Why? Moth and rust doth not corrupt. Thieves do not break through and steal. And so what do you do? You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the failure of so many. They're seeking everything but the righteousness of God. And he said, all these things shall. It's an absolute. It's a promise of God. You can't deny it. You can't reject it. It's God's promise. It shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, I want to go back to a verse we used earlier in Matthew chapter 6, and I'll be done on the podcast for the week. He said this, give us this day, verse 11, our daily bread. What day is that? This day. How do they close the chapter? Take therefore no thought for the morrow. So what do we pray for? Today's bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. How's your faith? How's that secret place with God? How's that secret time with God? Of what are you seeking? Are you seeking this kingdom that is to come, or are you seeking the kingdom of this earth? Are you seeking the wealth of this earth, or are you seeking the wealth which is to come? You see, the reward is great for those that seek God. The reward is great for those that put him first. Because I say to you, my friend, part of that reward is going to be on earth because God is going to take care of your need. I do hope it's been a help. I hope Matthew chapter 6 has helped you like it's helped me. Lord will, we'll start Matthew chapter 7 on Monday. I hope you have a great weekend as you seek the Lord in the house of God. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory. Song of the Redeemer.